second half, we're, we're talking about launching mission communities. I've done that, Chris. I'm all right. Yeah. So have you all seen the paper? Has anyone not seen the paper? Okay, good. I think, I think we've all seen it. I, want, I wonder if I could get a, an idea of initial response from everyone about the, about the idea. Um, and you can say no, alright? I'm not scared about people objecting or having issues with this, because I know that this will hit different ones of you in different ways. So I wonder if you could put your hand, if this doesn't feel right to you, having read the paper, read the proposal, would you, would you mind putting your hand up? Can we have all the options in advance? Yeah, okay, it's, does it feel right to you, or does it not feel right to you? Okay? Have we got anyone that's really angry about it? Okay, now that's good. That makes my job easier. Okay, anyone that feels it just doesn't feel right? Anyone that feels it does feel right? The proposal. Okay. Anyone's a little bit not too sure? Okay. This is just helpful for me because it, it, it helps me to know kind of what my job is. And I think I've got quite an easy job because most of you uh, are feeling quite positive towards it. Um, it's not really my job to convince you. It's my job just to really share the heart of what we're trying to do and be as clear as I can about what we're proposing. And then our job as a church is to discern the Holy Spirit and the leading, to discern the mind of Christ together. So as much as possible, I want you to think along the lines of not, is this good for me? Is this what I want? Is this, is this my cup of tea? But does this feel like it's got the hand of God on it? Because that's what we're trying to work out. And then as a church, we can go forward together. It's, it's a mission proposal. And mission, as soon as we start talking about mission, I've always found that it's most important to start talking about the heart of God. Rather than a project or uh, an initiative or an idea, it begins with the Lord. Because... God is a missional God. Amen. The Lord is a God who sends out. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son, that whoever would believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. He sees the state of the world. He sees the perishing, and he can't bear it. So he reaches out to save and I guess the best picture we have of that missional heart of God is in Jesus sent out from the Father as a saviour to seek and save the lost. That's what Jesus said he came to do. And he also taught about the Father's heart. He said, this is what the kingdom of heaven looks like. And he told the story of the prodigal son. He said, if you want to know what the heart of the Father's like, he's waiting for all of the lost ones to come home. So mission begins in God. Anything we talk about to do with mission, it, it, you have to line your, 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 whatever you're looking at up with the heart of God because God is a missional God. Now we as a church live in an un, amongst an unreached people group. 90% of the people out there would not claim to be actively following Jesus Christ and would have no concept of what it is to be saved. We live in a community of prodigals and the Lord looks and he longs for them to come home. And the issue is with our community is most of them don't know they're lost. That's the difference with the prodigal son story. He knew he had a home to come back to, he knew what he left, and he, he knew that if he just turned and went home to Father, Father would be there. Most people don't even know that they're lost, they don't know that there is a God that is looking, longing and waiting. So it's, it's, we're in a different context. They don't know what it is to be found by God. And if they did, most of them wouldn't know how to go about it. So we're starting way, way back from what maybe this country was like just a hundred years ago, where there was a context. So the situation is desperate. 
And it really should bother us. It really should get under our skin the situation of the spiritual climate that we live in. Because so many are perishing. And that is really serious. It has the eternal consequences. I wonder if you could think about it as being like a sea. This is something I shared with the home group leaders who I've talked about about this proposal before. I'm talking with everybody because I wanted to have that conversation with them first. I wonder if you could see this, this area as being like a sea. The spiritual landscape is like one big sea. And the vast majority of people are drowning. And then I want you to consider the churches. The churches are a bit like boats floating in this vast sea in the area. And some of them have a lot of people in these boats and some people have less. Some of the ships have less people in them. But we are all seeking to bring people out of the sea, save them and and establish them in safety, spiritual safety. Come home to God. Now, what kind of boat would we be? This is one way that we've been thinking about this whole question. What kind of boat would we be as as Tottenham United Free Church? How do we go about reaching out to the people around us? What, What kind of activities do we do? And I think as Tottenham United Free Church, we'd probably be described in lots of different ways. If I asked you what kind of boat do you think we would be, there'd be a a number of different answers. But probably the closest, I think, would be a pleasure boat or a cruise ship. Because we enjoy fellowship. We enjoy our our time and our life together. We uh, we do great food. We we actually do some quite good entertainment sometimes as well. Um, And our general cry to the people around us is come on board come and see what we're doing come and see how we we live together come and taste come and experience come and check out how we live and we want people to come and get on board and to to work out what it means to be part of our community here and if they really like it and they they get to grips with with being in our environment if, if they really want to keep going, they can join the Boating Association. They can become members of our crew. Okay? And if you become members of the crew, there are special privileges open to you. You can then take part in our houseboats, which is like our home groups, okay? if you join the main Boating Association. And that's how, that's how we go on. And that's how most churches go on. They invite people to come and see, come on in. Come and find out what's going on. This is a better way to live. This is a place that is spiritually safe. Our home groups are like wonderful, smaller vessels floating around in this sea, like houseboats. And you can imagine them as being these warm, inviting, like some of those really beautiful houseboats on the Thames. Uh, you can see it's a place where, where there is fellowship, where there is warmth, where there is hospitality, where there is shared life, where we grow and we nurture one another, where we support one another, we walk through life together, uh, and we connect with Jesus. They are wonderful little havens here and there, dotted around everywhere. Now, I want, to ima- I want you to imagine being on one of those houseboats as one of your house groups and looking out the window and seeing the people around you fighting to stay above water. They're not allowed on the boat at the moment. At the moment, they wouldn't be allowed to get on board because our home groups are exclusive, right? You have to be a member of this church in order to be in a home group. Come back to groups and streets and houses rather than boats. Just think for a moment, wherever your home group is, just imagine the person next door has just begun to get hungry for the things of Jesus. 
just maybe they've been treading water in life so long, they're just tired, and, and maybe they look at something in you, their next door neighbor, and they think, I'd love, whatever it is you have, I'd love some more of that. I'd love to find out what that is. People that are, are being drawn to God. Imagine your next door neighbor is like that. If they want to join your group to find out about who Jesus is and what this Christian life is all about, at the moment, first, they have to make the trip into Totnes. And they have to get involved in Totnes United Free Church. They have to be here. They, they have to start worshipping with us. They have to do our Alpha course at the moment. They would come through Alpha. We get to know them. Uh, and then if they get through Alpha, then they'd start Kingsbridge. And then they go through Kingsbridge. And then we get to know them even better. And if they are a Christian by the end of that, and they want to join the church, then we would begin to talk to them about what it means to join the church. And either two members of the leadership team would go and visit them in their home, or we might do an evening here, like we've done before, where we do a joining the church evening. And then if they still want to join the church once they find out what it's all about, then we would welcome them up on a Sunday morning and we'd say, this is this person, and they have got to know us, we've got to know them, they, they, they've become a Christian, they want to join the church, and we officially welcome them into church membership. Then we would look for a home group. Oh my goodness, there's a home group that meets next door to where you live. That's amazing. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Can anyone see a problem with that? That whole process? Now that process has been really important because in the past we've had a, a complete free fall. And we've had all sorts of people jumping around group to group and creating quite a lot of problems. Um, and people have had all sorts of agendas for joining the group. And we, so we've had to be a little bit careful about how we have organised the groups, just so that it's, it's possible to pastor them. But I think we're in a new season, in a different season. And when I look at how people make their way into small group discipleship, there's something in that room that makes me say, our doors are too narrow and the way is too hard. Don't get me wrong, it's a great way. Getting to know the church, doing Alpha, you know, getting to know people even better, journeying on with a small group, getting to know the leadership team a bit and then working out it with a three-way conversation with a home group and the leadership team and an individual where would you fit best? Where would you grow best? Where should we plug you into a home group? That works. And it, if people come via that route, it, it's a brilliant way to get to know the church. And it, I highly recommend it. We're not going to stop doing that. Yeah. But if that's the only way, the vast majority of people in this neighbourhood, in this, this uh, region surrounding Totnes, will not make their way through that narrow road. I did some research some years ago about how people function in Totnes, about various spiritual groups, non-Christian spiritual groups function. I couldn't find a single group in the area that was over 25 people. Because there was something about all of us that really loves the small and the intimate. We love the shared journey of being amongst a small family of people that we can be open with. It's not saying that I don't love the big gathered church. You know I do. I, I'm passionate about that. But for some, it's just too much. It's too much as a first step. They need something a lot more, a lot smaller, a lot more intimate, a lot less threatening. It's, for some, coming into here on a Sunday morning is a bit like gate crashing a wedding. Everyone seems to know each other. There's all this stuff going on and they're not quite sure where, where to go or how to fit in. Um, and it's, it's, a, it's a big threshold, that one right there. It's hard to scale for some people. Uh, for some it's fine, but others would just never step over it because they didn't know what they would expect. But to be invited into someone's home of somebody that you know, that you've come into contact with, and to meet a few other people in a non-threatening environment could be incredibly powerful for a lot of people and a, a much easier way to discover Christ. I think we need to be able to offer hospitality and discipleship spontaneously and intentionally in the groups without expecting people to jump through hoops to get there. 
Okay, coming back to the sea analogy of perishing people all around this area, which I think is, is quite a helpful way to see the area spiritually. What kind of vessels, what kind of boats do you think are needed? Yeah, feedback. Lifeboats. Lifeboats. Yeah. I love the idea of lifeboats. Small, purpose-built, easy-to-deploy vessels designed and trained to rescue people. Crewed by committed volunteers willing to endure discomfort in the hope that people might get saved. That's the kind of small groups I think we need that are more like lifeboats than houseboats. These, these purpose-built groups that we could build and we could train for could be incredibly effective at going out and finding those who are lost, pulling them out, looking after them, doing the primary care stuff, making sure they feel warm, feeding people, tending to their wounds, loving them back to life, getting them to a secure place bit by bit, feeding them up, blessing them, making sure they're whole. And then, who knows, maybe they'll want to join the lifeboat station with us because they'll see the power of what we're doing. That, I think, is what is needed in a spiritual climate like the one we're living in. So this proposal isn't just about passively receiving new people into fellowship, although I think that's important that we can just bring a friend. This proposal is about going out and making some noise to meet people where they are, lifeboat style. This is about asking God, how would you like us to make Jesus famous in this village or suburb? Is there any need that we can easily meet in your name? Could we come up with an event to explain how much Jesus loves them? I could, we could imagine all sorts of things that we could do as groups. But there is a health warning with, with doing this. Uh, if we start letting unchurched people into our groups, it could probably get messy. You would need to learn to work together to disciple awkward and disruptive people. Your groups might feel a bit less familiar, predictable and cosy. You would have to learn to be open and honest with new people present. You would need to learn to unpack the Bible in ways that will inspire both a mature believer and a total novice. Some of you I know, will relish this idea. You're at the pioneer end of the spectrum. You, there, there are some of you that just love the idea of going out there, meeting as many people as possible, making a bit of noise, following Jesus, hanging out with prostitutes and tax collectors like Jesus did, and then welcoming them all into your group. <laughs> I know there's people like that. <laughs> Now, you might have to exercise a bit of discernment, you type of people. Because it's worth asking the question, is this person going to cope in my group? Is my group going to be a, a good environment for this person to grow? Is this, is this person a danger to anyone? Come on, we're living in a broken world here. You've got, you've got to think quite carefully. There may be some steps you need to take before welcoming them, welcoming them into a group, just to explain what you're about, to see people start to get a little bit freed up before they come and wreak havoc. Um, so that there's sometimes a little bit of work to do first, if you're more of a pioneer. Some of you are the other end of the spectrum. I think this would upset the apple cart with some of you. I know what some of you are like. Some of you take like five years to feel like you can trust your group members enough to share something deep in your hearts. There's a few of you that are like that. You would have to learn to be vulnerable, even though there are newbies there, people that you don't know from Adam. 
And it's important that you do learn to be vulnerable and, and open and not clam up because it's in our openness that people feel permission to be open. It's a very powerful thing to extend to people who have had nobody to talk to or to share the deep things of their life with, is if we share our vulnerability. You're going to have to get creative. You might have to set up prayer triplets or accountability partners, places, people that you can go deeper with that maybe before you felt you could be that deep in home group, it might not be the same kind of environment. So you might have to get creative. You might have to find some people to do life a bit deeper with within that group. There are those of you who like your meaty Bible studies grapple with the hard things of scripture and to debate them in your group I know that there are a few of you out there well we're going to have to find ways to read the Bible that can inspire both the believer that has been a scholar for 40 years and the person that has never come across this book before in their lives Hallelujah! and it can be done yeah. I want to encourage you that it really really can be done and there is there is an argument that if you feel like you're not getting enough solid food at your group, then you can, by all means, eat before you come. And then maybe you might even have something to share with somebody who is so weak they can't feed themselves yet. It depends where you see is the right place to be eating deeply of the word. And you know that I'm a champion of that. I, I, I want to champion the idea of getting into the word and grappling with the scripture. It's so important. I'm just not convinced that home group is the place for it because I think we're all already educated beyond our level of obedience. And in home group, in our small groups, it's a place to get obedient and to follow Jesus, actually, and to, to help each other to live the life One of the concepts that has inspired this change is the wild goose concept that I talked about a few weeks ago in church. The Celts lived in a spiritual environment not dissimilar to ours, amongst an unreached people group that had no knowledge or experience of our faith. The Holy Spirit would not let them stay settled in their Christian huddles too long, would always chase them out into the villages. So represented as the wild goose, the Holy Spirit would lead them out into the villages of England to make some noise, to upset the equilibrium, and to call people to follow Christ. They were persistent in prayer and action, meeting ordinary people eye to eye with good news until whole villages turned to the Lord. The Holy Spirit hasn't changed. Amen. I think we have. And so we feel as a leadership team um, and as a, uh, a group of home group leaders, given the spiritual state of our area, we can't try to maintain exclusive holy huddles any longer. And I believe that we have to heed this call to go. Now there's more things I'd love to say. I've got I could just talk all night about this because I've lived with it for two years. But I'd quite like to hear a little bit of feedback from you about the, the concept, this idea of opening up our home groups and also turning them into pioneering groups, mission communities, where the, the main focus and aim is to serve the lost in our area and to make Jesus known in our regions. So over to you. I want to hear any questions, any comments, any thoughts that you have. I think we need to listen to one another because it's by listening to one another that we're going to make the right decision. I've got a question. What, um, how would it work if you travel in, like from Bobby Tracy down to Mike? Do you need a mic? Do you mind being roping Mike? <laughs> I just wondered how it would work with people that aren't in their geographical area. Because um, some people are quite yeah. away from the neighbours. Uh, yeah. It's a good question, isn't it? Um, 
couple of things I want to say there. First thing is, I don't want to scrap home groups and start again. I think Keith said something yesterday morning in prayers when we were here praying before Open Church started. And he just basically said the phrase, thank you God for the quality of love in our groups. That is the greatest gift we have to offer anybody who is coming to faith or exploring the faith. And that the shared journey of our groups is precious. We would never disband a home group unless we had a real reason to do so. We'd never say, oh, let's just scrap that and start again, because there's something in your, the, the history that you have together which, which gels you into a family, which is the very thing that people need. So as best we can, we want to keep groups together to start with. They're going to have to subdivide. They're going to have to grow. We're going to have to change. We're going to have to evolve with this because we're believing that people will come and join in and then living rooms will get too small, right? But we want to start it as, as the groups that we have because you know one another's strengths and weaknesses. You know how one another ticks. You know what spheres of influence one another has. So you can plan how you go ahead and how you do mission based on knowing one another and going forward. But that said, if a group decides that a certain village is where God is really calling that group to invest and to begin to make Jesus known, and you've got other, other people belonging to this church in that village that is going to another home group, they may well say, well, you're, you're reaching out to my village. I now need to be part of your team to reach my village. Because I know loads of people in this village and I want to be part of what God is doing right on my doorstep. So people might want to move to where, closer to where a certain group is reaching out. Um, and the same, I guess, for people that are, are travelling a long, long way to a group when there is a whole bunch of people living closer to them, eventually we might say, well look, I've got a real heart for my area, and I go miles in, but there's a few of us over here that, that would love to do something. And so let's start praying about, does God want to do something on our patch, and we can start looking at moving a new group together, but I think that would sort of be a phase two. Yeah, because I, we, we, I want to start with the groups that we've got as best we can. But we might also have a bit of movement within a group. If a group starts to pray about where God is calling the group to invest and to begin to bless a region, it may not be the region that the group currently meets. It may be a region around another group member's house. Does that make sense? So if you've got a group of people that are meeting in one location, but actually when you start praying, it's like God puts his finger on where, where one of the group members lives and says, well, let's just move over there and start doing some work over there. That might happen. And then all of a sudden you're on someone else's doorstep and they might decide they need to move from their group in. So there will be a little bit of reforming. But I'm hoping it will be a little bit because I want to keep the sense of family in the groups. Does that make sense? Yeah, I know at my age, I don't get uh, excited uh, very often, but I'm really excited about this. Sorry, I think this is really exciting, and I, I, I'm, yeah, it will get messy, I'm sure. Yeah. But the opportunities are immense, so yeah, well done, I think it's brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, that, that's spoken from somebody that's been doing that yeah, for a lot of years. You've been welcoming your neighbours into your home to discover something of Jesus. See, that's speaking from somebody with experience and we'll be drawing from your wisdom as to how to do this as well. Yeah. Anyone else? Karen. Thanks. Um, yeah, I echo John's sentiment. I think this is a hard idea. Yeah. Um, but sort of going forward when you're talking about reaching out and doing different things, presumably there'd be guidance for the home group leaders as to the kind of things they could do or mm -hmm. are they just expected to come and go, hey, let's throw a deep up there, there might be more, yeah. you know, that, that kind of thing. Because at the moment, obviously, the home group leaders and the, yeah. and the home groups decide what they're going to look at or study or mm -hmm. things like that. So if we're opening it up a bit more, will there be those kind of guidance things for people that maybe haven't yeah. done this before to know where to go? We've, we've got an idea of how we might prepare what we might do and how we might move forward. 
Um, and it's, it's about giving each group a set of questions. There's, there's a few evenings that I want to sort of give you as a package to work through. Uh, and this would be in uh, November, December this year, hopefully, um, where you could look at it and work your way through the questions, which would help you to sort of pin down what your focus might be, where your strengths might be, uh, how you're going to begin to reach out. Because you just need to begin initially. And I think thing, one idea will lead on to another. So for some of the groups, it might be on a very small scale. Yeah. It might be saying, well, for the first six weeks, let's just invite a friend um, and just see who comes. Uh, that, that's fine. Um, you may work towards some, some event in your road. Or you may decide to, you know, oh, let, let's hire the village hall and run a gospel event. If some really easy invite, uh, run a film night and then discuss it. Or whatever you decide to do. Or you might have a look at the needs around the area and say, look, the park is derelict. How about we, just a few of the evenings we would have met in our home, why don't we just get out there with some strimmers and paintbrushes and restore it and then put a thing in the local paper saying, this was for the love of God, because we believe God loves this area. You, you can do anything. Actually, ha how your groups end up functioning and moving forward is as broad as your imagination. But what we want to do is be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. So we're not going to be prescriptive, in other words. We want to be responsive to the Spirit, not prescriptive as a leadership team. Does that make sense? So we're going to give you questions that you have to work through. And then hopefully out of that will flow a shape of where you might start. Two things, really. One is that should it be a mission and pastoral community because how how a group care for each other is living witness what a Christian is. And the other thing is not to have our Christian life and our everyday life as separate. And to I mean, you can clean up the park and do a thing, great, make great noise about it, but somebody who looks after their neighbour who's suffering yeah. is a far more genuine witness. Yeah. 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 And people can see that. Mm. Yeah. Definitely. Well, there's a lot that we're already doing on, on that front. Yeah. Uh, and we're already standing alongside one another as we do those things. It's just that neighbour that could never be invited to home group. And we might not intentionally take other Christians that we know along to meet that neighbour. It, it, often it's these little things that happen in isolation. And that, that's, not, that's not to devalue what we do as people anyway. Hopefully all those things will just carry on. But it's what we do as a group in order to reach out to people that don't know Jesus. That is the thing. Um, and as far as the name goes, I, I, I wrestled with the name for ages because it sounded a bit, you know, it's all, whenever there's a new name, it sounds a bit clunky, doesn't it? Um, but we, th these same kinds of groups have been called new communities, they've been called mission-shaped communities, they've been called all sorts of things. Um, we could call them what we like, it's about what the group means. But the whole community aspect of it is the pastoral that I want to maintain. That this is not, these are not mission teams, if you like, even though we might function like that sometimes. This, it's not the sole, just the sole purpose we have to reach unreached people. Actually, there is a community life that needs to be maintained as well. So there's a balance between outreach, but also fellowship and discipleship within the group as well. And it's for each group to strike how that balance sits. Does that make sense? Yeah, we don't, we don't want to lose the pastoral care and the fellowship um, that's, that, can't, that can't be lost due to outreach. Because if we do that, what are we inviting people into? That's the strength of our groups. Two things, really. Um, neither of which are very original. My... One of my favourite verses is 2 Samuel 14, 14. It says, like 
on the ground that cannot be recovered, so we must die. But God does not take away life. Instead, he devises ways that a banished man may not remain estranged from him. It's a fantastic verse. And the thought of God devising ways for individuals not to remain banished from him just excites me so much. And when I hear things like this, I can see God devising ways for various individuals that we know. So that excites me. And one of the other things that people who know me may know that um, one of my prayers for this church is that every person in this church would have the privilege and the joy of leading somebody to Jesus. And this facilitates that. Now, that's going to be hard work. I know it's going to be hard work, I know it's going to be challenging, but this type of approach facilitates that possibility much more than anything else I know of. It is a real confidence builder. When I talk about evangelism and mission, some of us think of going up to people, cold contact on the street, and telling them about Jesus, or standing up with a, with a megaphone and you know, preaching the gospel or whatever. But actually, in, in, in our groups, we draw a lot of confidence from one another, because our, our group life is already something attractive to draw people into. And when we go out together as a group, you, you, you do draw a lot of confidence from one another. Actually, putting on a simple event as a group is a lot easier than trying to go out as individuals to share Christ. There's a real strength in solidarity there. So it empowers everybody to be able to do their part. Mike's on the way. Uh, thanks. Um, this is just a comment following on from what you said. Mm. Um, Showing me a picture of what harvest looks like because he obviously says fields yeah. are white under harvest. And I guess in our modern world, we think of maybe a combine harvester with one man sitting in his cab removed from the corn and he's kind of driving up and down. But if you've read um, accounts of 19th century harvest, in those times, the whole community went out into wow. the fields, the men, the women, the children, and together they gathered in the harvest. Wow. And they had a celebration. Yeah. It was actually hard work, but it was also fun. Yeah. Um, the whole community participated, and because we're in a modern culture, we've kind of forgotten that. Yeah. So when Jesus said, <coughs> the harvest fields, Yeah, um, as far as the precedence goes, I think they go back as far as the Acts of the Apostles. <laughs> um, this is, you know, from the early church, it was an expanding, uh, it, it wasn't a sort of centrifugal. It didn't kind of draw people into a center. It was, is it centripetal? 
Any physicists? Centre people. People. It, it, it thrust people out. It's constantly moving out to, to, to reach new territory. It was a scattering movement from the beginning. And I think that's something that is at the heart of this. Um, I've talked a little bit about the Celts as well. Uh, but in the 20th century, there was a lot of these kind of movements. It was all the rage in the 70s and 80s with mission-shaped communities. I think St Andrew's Chorley Wood went through a big renovation project in their massive church sanctuary. And so they had to work out how are we going to worship. So they split off into mission-shaped communities, which were, I think there's probably about, I don't know, 5,000 people in that congregation. So they split into groups of 50. And for me, that's like churches, not home groups. Um, but they, they planted in schools and stuff all around the region. And it, it was a really interesting time. A, lo a little bit of chaos, but uh, a lot of salvation as well. Um, and uh, Mark Stibby wrote a book about it um, called Breakout, which you can read. It might give you some inspiration about where to go with it. Um, there's another big church movement called St. Thomas in Philadelphia up in Sheffield, led by a guy called Mike Breen, um, who set up, um, I think they're called... He is a whole system called Life Shapes, and then there's groups, I think they're called Mission Shaped Communities as well, where they try and plant mission communities in different places. And that's like a church planting movement. Um, but that, that, again, has been really successful. Just um, integral mission, like just planting yourself in a place, getting to know the people, and slowly sharing about Jesus. So it's like very incarnational, if you know what that means, just kind of fleshing out your faith wherever you are. Um, but also having a base to work from where you can encourage one another. But that's kind of, some of those are instead of local church. Does that make sense? So rather than keeping the centre going as well, rather than keeping Tottenham United Free Church going, it's like saying, right, we're going to scrap this, and we're going to go out and do that instead. Whereas I don't think that would hold the ground here, and I don't think that would resource us well. I think to have this uh, continuing to be a vibrant family church and a real stake in the ground in Totnes is really important. Um, and a teaching centre and a centre for our kids and an open space for the centre of town and all the rest of it. But then to go out from this place to share the gospel, I think, is a strength. Um, Ollie, just, um, it's kind of quite... A... It's a bit, a bit natural, this, but um, Ben and Heather are in the Himalayas, and this is exactly what they're doing yeah. all the time. They came to see us, and um, some of us spent a bit more time with them, um, talking about reaching unreached people groups. And the similarities are so great. And yes, there are huge challenges for them in the Himalayas, and there will be for us here, but they are seeing God doing some amazing things, as we will here. And one of the things that we learned when we went with them was it's all about finding people of peace, people who are yeah. people of goodwill, who you will be able to connect with. Yeah, They're everywhere. Right. They want to hear. And I think that's kind of where we start, with the people of goodwill, the people of peace. And it's really interesting. We went out to a village way, way in the northeast of India, and I thought there were going to be miracles in the church planted right away. But however many years later, 10 years later, they're just beginning to establish something there. Mm. It takes time. Yeah. There's some... Um Let's, do, let's have a couple, if, if they've got burning questions, and then there's a few things I, I feel we need to round up. Question, question. You mentioned at the previous meeting that uh, not looking to poach people from other churches. Yes. Yes. Well done. Now, that's another, that's something I was about to mention as part of the guidelines. And if you saw the guidelines, page two of the document I sent out, really important. Study those. Uh, I'll, I'll come back to that one in a sec. Um, just a bit of my testimony really, in that I first came to this church when I was 15 because somebody randomly invited me on to a meeting that was here mm. and said, do you want to come along? And I wasn't looking for the Lord at all. And I said, okay, came along, experienced the Holy Spirit. I was like, okay, so God is really real. <laughs> and then the, the young people, they used to play when Fraser was used. It's a uh, basketball on a Sunday at the church, and they invited me to their basketball. Mm. 
So I wasn't coming to church, I was coming to basketball. And from there, I found that they came to church. I used to come just for the worship, it was all I could handle. And then I'd grab a cigarette, and then I'd go to basketball. And it slowly grew into me coming to love this place and coming to faith. But actually, initially, I was coming for the basketball because there was this group of people yeah. that I was beginning to feel I belonged to. Wonderful. Do you still play basketball? <laughs> yeah. There's a couple of things I want to pick up on on the guidelines. Just, just if you're conscious of time, we've kind of nearly run out. But you know, I think this is an important conversation, isn't it? Um, a couple of things. One is uh, the the mission communities would be open to anyone who have not had previous contact with the church with a genuine desire to know more of Jesus and the kingdom of God. The reason we've put that in is because we want to be intentional about building genuine community and a strong sense of team in the groups. Uh, and we want to avoid a free-for-all. Uh, we, we still want to be intentional about how we're doing things. We don't want to just kind of set up this, hey, go to whatever group, wherever, we don't really mind. You know, there's loads of groups everywhere, just drop in and drop out. Um, we need to be able to pass to the church. Yeah. Uh, we need to know who is where. Um, and... We need to be able to help people that have gone off in a huff. This happens. So what we could have is people falling out of the group and then going to another group, and then falling out of that group, and then going on to another group, and nothing ever gets resolved. And you might have people also that have left this church for various reasons that find out there's a group meet, now meeting in their village that's open, and they want to go to that group. And that, what we quite like to do is make sure that these things are not being repeated, but we, we deal with them. We have conversations, we put things right, we make sure that everyone's okay in relationship, and then we go forward together. So th these are such important teams, as well as groups, that we want to make sure that we're intentional about who is working within that team to reach that area. So it's not just a free-for-all. And yet, if you've had no contact with the church or contact with faith, you're welcome to join any group. Does that make sense? Yeah. We want to be intentional as far as us as, as the, the people that are on mission, we want to be intentional about that. So if, if somebody joins your group that has had previous contact with the church, you know, it, it, refer them to us. We say, oh great, you're back. You know, let's hear your story, let's make sure we're all okay, and yeah, go for it. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. We want to be able to have those conversations. Uh, and the other one I wanted to pick up on is number six on the guidelines. Um, the mission communities must work hard to communicate with and to bless other churches in their vicinity. So you, we need to be working with people and show that we're not territorial, we're not in competition, we're not trying to plant a church on their doorstep, we're not trying to steal anyone's sheep, we're not doing that. In fact, if you start working in that area, loads of people come to faith and want to be discipled and they all fill up the local church, that would be brilliant. If we can pack out their churches, that'd be fantastic. They can deal with all the broken, difficult people and how to disciple them. It's fine. That'll give us capacity to go out and get some more. Okay? That, that, that is a good thing. And it might be that you as a group decide we want to really get behind what our parish church is doing in our village. And we want to resource that. We want to serve it in whatever way we can. That is really kingdom. But what, we, we have to make every effort to make sure that we are we're communicating well and we're, we're, we're being very clear we're there to serve and to reach the lost, not to compete. Does that make sense? Does that answer your question, Rob? Um, yeah. Okay, just quickly. I want to talk about the timeline, if this is working. Somebody just hit that main. Just click the main thing. Oh, there you go. Timeline. Okay, it's not working, so you can help me out. November, December, prayer, planning, and reformation. If there's any movement of people uh, as these groups start to form, we're hoping to, to get on with that quite quickly, but we really want to start praying, we want to start planning. How are we going to launch? Go ahead. So 2017, we want to, we want to look, launch together in January. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean you'll start doing anything in January, just... We want to be open from January. We want to change our concept of how we're doing, um, uh, doing these groups from January, if we decide to go for it. We would then be looking at each group possibly being represented at the Tottenham Christian Festival. 
So to, to work out how can you express something of your life together as a group in that locality and what God is doing in that area, what you perceive God to be doing, and then express that in an interactive and creative way to engage with the community. So that by doing that, you're, you're showcasing what God is doing in the region and you're also inviting other people to join in with what you're doing that might be from those areas looking in at what you're doing. And we can just have a whole area of the, the site where people can look at at what God's doing in the area. So, and I'm hoping that at least one of you will have a chocolate fountain because I want one of them this year. Okay, next one. And then July, report back and review at Church Family Night. So we, we want to constantly be reviewing how this is going and um, making adjustments where necessary. Okay? That, was, that would be how we would do it if we decide to do this. So I just want you to kind of understand what this is going to look like, how it's going to unfold, this is the proposal, okay? So, we need to make a decision, because this is not just about what's burning on my heart, this is not just about the leadership team, this is about all of us, because there's going to be a cost to this, um, and there's, there's got to be a passion to this, otherwise it's, it's just not going to happen. So, I really want to know what you feel, and if you're not comfortable with it, it's okay, alright? When we vote in a minute, if you're a bit, no, I'm not too sure, put the anchors on, please, that's fine. We're not going to kind of identify you and run you out of the church, all right? <laughs> it's all right. And then we can continue that conversation. Um, but if you feel, actually, yeah, this has got God's hand on it, I feel positive about it, then um, we'd really like to see that as well. So if, if you don't feel comfortable at this stage to proceed with this proposal, could you raise your hand now? Okay, thank you. Yep. Okay, if you do feel comfortable, you feel that this has got God's hand on it, would you raise your hand? Okay. We're going to go We're going to go ahead with it. We're going to do it. There's overwhelming consensus that we should be doing this, um, which is very exciting. Um, and I believe that it's going to be uh, an amazing journey. But we have got to be aware of one another who may find this a little bit difficult, this idea. We've got to help to bring one another along with us because it will take longer for some than others um, and it will take a little while before we understand what God is doing through this because we only see it dimly at the moment. I wonder if we could pray for, just to finish off our meeting. And uh, yeah, I just want to invite anyone to pray into this. This is um, something I want to just come together as a church before God at this moment. amazing image of the harvest yeah. uh, that Jesus spoke of originally and that we've been reminded of again this evening. Yes, Lord. And we pray, Lord, that uh, we will see uh, the harvest being gathered in right across this area and that we will all be involved in gathering in that harvest. Amen. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. Thank yeah. you for the settlers, thank yeah. you for those that 
don't quite know where they are. They're one time one and one time the other. Yeah. And Father, thank you that when people come um, and start meeting with us and, and talking with us, they'll be so relieved that some of us are one thing and some of us are something else. Mm. Father, thank you for the glory of our differences. Father, mm. Father, thank you that mm. we can be one with our glorious differences. Mm. Amen. Yes, Lord, amen. Yes, yes. Jesus. Um, and give us um, the peace to understand new conceptions of what it 
Father, we bless you for your prophetic word over the years that has compelled us to go out. Lord, you've called us to be people fundamentally who go with the good news and grow followers of Jesus. That is our strongest element of our DNA. And we thank you for speaking that over us. Lord, thank you for calling us to be in a Dublin's cave, a place of refuge, a place of restoration, of the growing of mighty men and women of God. Thank you for that call, I think it was 2006, where you said it's time to come out of the cave. Lord, thank you for that word from John Gordon about the, the fire descending upon this church and us taking the fire out and lighting up the dark valley with the fire of God. Lord, you call us to take what we have here and take it out. Thank you for this year that you say, don't be afraid, don't stay silent. I will be with you. There are many people in this area that I'm calling to myself. Be courageous. Thank you for your word, Lord, through the years. And I pray that as we seek to walk in obedience to your word, I pray that we would see an outpouring of the Holy Spirit and that you would testify to your word with signs and wonders. I pray we would come back into this place rejoicing at the wonders you have shown us as we have gone out to reach out in your name. And I pray that primarily the the most lost and broken and desperate people in this community would be the first to benefit as the people of God get mobilized. Lord, we seek your blessing. And we commit ourselves to this journey that you've called us on. And God's people said, Amen. 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 Amen.